Well, hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is for you. Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast, where our goal is to just dig into that week's sermon, so that way we might just dig it a little bit deeper into our hearts and find ways to apply it and all those different things. If you don't know who I am, my name is Chris Brown. I'm the associate pastor here. My name is Jacob Belding. I'm the Connections Minister here at First Baptist Hazel. And again, we have someone new today for sound. We've got Mr. Mark Belding. Hello, everybody. All right, Mark, who are you? Uh, I am Jacob's younger brother, and I'm a band director out in Santo. Yeah, and so, okay, so look at Mark. Okay, now look at Jacob. Okay, now look at Mark again. And Jacob. Can you see the resemblance? There we go. Okay. <laughs> yes, uh, Mark, you've been here at the church for four months, five months? Since uh, March. Pretty much... No, 2023, or that's when I started started visiting initially, and it's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you might see him playing keys, guitar, whatever else we coax him into. <laughs> Driving the bus. <laughs> if, All uh, sorts of stuff. If he's running slides, or if somebody messes up on slides, it's probably Mark yeah, just, uh, that, that did it. You know, that's, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So if anything goes wrong today, if we say anything dumb, it's Mark's fault. That's right. Uh, yeah. Scapegoat. I'm here. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got uh, another unusual week because I preached again, Pastor Lee, and uh, the, the team is still over in the Philippines, and so I get to preach again. And uh, so that means I don't get to do the recap. That means you get to do the recap. Let's see if if you got more pizzazz yeah. this, this week. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I forgot about the pizzazz. Yeah. Uh, but I came up a letter grade last time, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah something like that. Okay. So uh, the passage that you uh, preached from uh, was out of Romans <laughs> chapter 9. And the points, uh, the first point was that the, uh, the sort of ebb and flow of people following God and then not following God uh, is nothing new. Uh, it's not something that is novel in our day. It's not, um, um, I mean, there's always been uh, this ebb and flow as far as people following God and not following God. So that was the first point. Uh, the second point, uh, there will always be the true church and throughout mankind's fickleness to follow God, um, God has always preserved uh, people for himself. And then the third point is that God has a plan for the true church. So that's uh, those are the three points that. Uh, so that's that's pretty good. He forgot something. Did you notice oh. what he forgot? No, no, you're putting uh, put me on the spot here. Yeah, you forgot what the I title. Heard. Oh, the title. <laughs> yes. What's the whole point of this? <laughs> yes. So, well, okay. And the reason that <laughs> the reason I didn't go on and start with the with the title was because I kind of feel like it needed. I mean. Um, like a little bit of explanation. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it we're talking about? So the mm-hmm. title is, Has God Failed? Has God Failed? And then it, basically, how is it that we go about understanding the decline of Christianity in America today? Yep, yep. That's kind of the whole uh, reason for it. Pastor Lee, a few weeks ago, um, uh, gave some statistics on church decline, uh, more specifically to denominational mm-hmm. uh, decline, which which has its own uh, quirks to it. Right. Um, but, you know, we even talked about this over the last few weeks. Um, is uh, that can be really discouraging, especially if you don't know a whole lot of history and it, it, you see the church decline and it's really easy to think, oh my gosh, like we're losing. Yeah. God's losing. Satan's winning. What's going on? Has God failed? And so that's kind of the, the premise of it. Mm-hmm. 
which gets into those you know three points uh, that you talked about, and so that you talked about that <laughs> that I talked about <laughs> that we um, will talk about today. So so you did pretty good on the points. Yes, you forgot the premise of it all. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, Mark. You're, you're an educator. What do you think? What what's a score for him? Oh man, I'm I tend to be nice. With mm-hmm. This sort of thing, and also since we're brothers, you know his ability to still, you know the noogies and all mm-hmm. that—that's still on the table. But I'm gonna go solid B plus. B plus, okay. Yeah, all right, solid all right. B plus. All right, uh, I'll I'll right. yield to him. My average is awful right now. <laughs> Need to bump those numbers up a little bit. It's like when you write a paper and you get done with the whole paper, and you're like. You never told me what the point of the paper was. <laughs> <laughs> missed the thesis. Yeah, you missed the thesis there. statement. Yeah. Um, oh goodness. Um, yeah. Other than that, perfect. Man. Okay, great. Wouldn't so, have changed that, a thing. There was a yeah. there was a reason. Uh, anyway, yeah. But yeah. Um, no, I thought um, you know one of the things that you said at the very beginning sort of to help to introduce it. Uh, I think maybe we'll talk about your <coughs> kitchen renovation mm-hmm. illustration a little bit later. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the uh, you know, the church is is in decline overall in the United States, um, and as evidence, all you said that all you have to really do is go and watch the news <laughs> or check out the Azel Residence page. <laughs> are, y'all, are y'all part of that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, you, you don't live in Azel. No, I'm not. But uh, I'm sure it is. Very interesting. Yeah. All uh, the time, man. It's like there's some total depravity happening here. On yeah. this Someone can ask the most innocent question and just get trashed oh, in yeah. the comments. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, it's, yeah, man. Lots of evidence there. It's like we don't even need these studies. Like we can just look around yeah. and find out. But, um, but something that I kind of thought was, was interesting about that is for us here at First Baptist Azel, we've been growing. We've been growing pretty consistently yeah. over the past several years. Yeah. And so, you know, for us, you know, here in our, our sort of uh, microcosm of Azel, right, things seem to be going pretty well, mm-hmm. right? And so being aware that as far as America goes within the entire country that there is a decline over the past 50 years uh, is something that's good to be aware of uh, <coughs> for sure at mm-hmm. the very least. And then, you know, when we see these kinds of, statistics uh, that you that you shared uh, with us um, you know what do we do with that you know mm-hmm. how do we go about understanding how how that sort of decline really fits in with the big picture of God's purposes and plan and what mm-hmm. he's doing mm-hmm. uh, so I thought uh, you know the sermon was was good and it was uh, again it was timely mm-hmm. um, especially since Lee's talked about this from the pulpit recently mm-hmm. um, so some of the stats uh, too that you pointed out, uh, they did a study, they did a survey in 2020, and of the people that they surveyed, 64% of people in America identify as Christians, which sounds pretty good, mm-hmm. until you go back and look in 1970, the same, they asked the same question, and 90% of mm-hmm. everybody identified uh, as a Christian. Yeah. That's a pretty big It's a big, big dip. Yeah. yeah, and I think even... 12, if, if my memory serves me correctly, I believe 12% of that decline happened in the past 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. And so it's like... It's been accelerating. Yeah, it's accelerating. Uh, it's definitely, you know, the bell curve mm-hmm. is like definitely going on that. Um, yeah. Uh, and why is that? 
you know, it's probably a number of things. I think it's mainly cultural. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're getting into a much more like postmodern uh, mindset uh, culture where, you know, everyone's truth is their truth and, you know, their reality is their reality. And uh, Christianity is mm, very much not that way. Christianity is very much like, you no, know, there's, there's one reality, there's one truth, there's one path mm-hmm. to God, uh, path to heaven. And that really rubs wrong against postmodern oh, yeah. um, ideology. And, Just uh, ask Oprah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> She'll tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so I think um, a lot of it uh, is that, that as the culture adopts more and more the mindset of the postmodern world that just rubs so wrong against Christianity. And so people are just like, yeah, not, not interested in that. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And then you even pointed out the uh, the increase in the nuns. In the nuns. In, uh, the N-O-N-E, in the not, not, <laughs> not, not, uh, not, not, not Catholic, uh, N-O-N-E, uh, nuns. There have been so many more nuns. We, we <laughs> yeah. keep seeing them everywhere. What it's hap- where, it's what weird. Happened? There's been a decrease in Christianity, but an increase in <laughs> Catholic nuns. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, no, not that. Yeah, and uh, as far as the those who say that, you know, as far as their religious affiliation or how it is that they identify, there were uh, 5% of people uh, classified themselves or identified themselves as none, mm-hmm. uh, being under no uh, religion or subscribing to no religion. And including, when you say religion, including agnostic and atheist. Right. So even like, uh, not, not even just religion, but just spirituality, the concept of God as a whole, mm-hmm. no. Like right. Just not. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Hmm. That's an interesting survey. I've never really thought about it. None. It's <laughs> like <Man, laughs> so how that goes. Don't care. <laughs> Basically. Next question. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Five percent in nineteen seventy, thirty percent today. Oh uh, no, not nineteen seventy. Right. Uh, nineteen ninety. Oh, nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah. That study oh, was a little different. Gotcha, uh-huh. gotcha. I missed that. Yeah. So I figured we were still on that fifty-year. No, no. Uh, the, this was a different study. Oh, okay. Yeah. Different study. My mistake. Yep. Nineteen ninety. Five percent in nineteen ninety. Mm-hmm. And thirty percent today. Wow, and that that really highlights. Mm-hmm. The, the accelerated nature of, of what's happening mm-hmm. uh, in the culture and uh, in the United States today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And the significance of that is that, you know, at, at least if someone's agnostic, so let's say you got Christian, believes in God, uh, the God of the Bible, all that stuff. Agnostic is, I believe that there's probably a God out there. I just don't know who it is or where he is. Uh, I don't know if it's the Buddhist God or, or Christian God or Hindu God or whatever. That's agnostic. Right. They believe there's something out there. They just don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Atheist is, I don't believe there's anything out there. And so the nuns are none of those. Right. It's, I don't care. Right. It's, it's I, I don't even, I don't even have an opinion on it. It's just not even on my radar. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And so the question then uh, that sort of comes from this uh, that you asked is, can we recover from this? Is the church failing Am I on the wrong team, mm-hmm. and has God failed? Mm-hmm. Those are all valid questions uh, yeah. to ask. It's yeah. like, well, you know, again, what do we do with this? I mean, if you, if you ran a business, uh, let's say you ran a business, and over the course of fifty years, you've lost a quarter of your your business, uh, 
and you're like, man, things aren't looking good for my business. And so the question is, is this business eventually just going to go bankrupt? Yeah. Are we going to be Bud Light? Yeah. <laughs> right? uh, that's exactly where I was going to go. Yeah. Uh, in their case, in the span of just a few months, they've yeah. lost uh, well, 25, 30%, whatever, of market yeah. share and all that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so if you were to take the same concept and apply it to anything, you would ask the question, is this the end yep. of it? Um, That's right. Yep. Is it going to go mm-hmm. away? Is it going to completely die out? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what do we do with that? Well, uh, the, boom, we get right into the points. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, this is nothing new. Uh, this is bit something that has been going on since literally the beginning of, uh, well, beginning of time in a lot yeah, of really, ways. Yeah, really. Yeah. If you look at um, Adam and Eve, what's the first thing they did? Rebel against God. <laughs> right? It's like that didn't take very long, apparently. Yeah. Then you have... Um, One chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Then the very next chapter, you have Cain and Abel. 50% of the population, what do they do? Rebel against God. That's right. Uh, and then you have uh, Cain's lineage and Seth's lineage. Uh, and what does Cain's lineage do? Rebels against God. And then you get into the flood. What does Seth's lineage do? mixes with Cain's lineage and starts to rebel against God yep. again and gets to the point that the entire population, which at that point uh, was much less, but but still significant, they, he had one guy, one righteous guy and um, uh, his family out of everyone else, and everyone else did evil on the side of the Lord. And so from the very beginning, and, and we can just go on and on and oh, on yeah. and on through the Old Testament, um, people, it's just in their nature some might put sinful nature, uh, to rebel against God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so of course, yeah, of course America's going to rebel against God. Like, what makes us different than, than any other uh, nation, any other people? Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe we, should, uh, we can go on and, and read the passage mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, sort of get into it. So the, the key passage uh, is Romans 9, chapter 6. <coughs> uh, Romans 9, verse 6. Yes. Did I say chapter? You said chapter oh, six, yeah. Gosh. Yes. Romans chapter nine, verse six. Yeah. That would be weird if it was chapter nine and chapter six. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so here we go. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Mm-hmm. And so the context was uh, Israel, who is God's chosen people, they have rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Not only have they rejected Jesus as the Messiah, they're also persecuting the church mm-hmm. at the same time. So the question in Paul's day is, well, what about the what about the promises of of God, right? Yeah, so, yeah, and that's a really important question because, so so just in case you don't know, sometimes it's hard if you, if you don't have a a full um, big, picture. big picture of the yep. Bible, it's hard to piece all these things together. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have the Israelites um, who were God's chosen people in the Old Testament. If you pick any book in the Old Testament, it's probably about the Israelites, mm-hmm. um, or at least the story revolves around the Israelites and God working with them. And to them, um, God gave the covenants of the Old Testament, the law, mm-hmm. temple services, uh, promises, all that mm-hmm. stuff that, that Paul mentions in Romans 9. Um, and Jesus was supposed to be the fulfillment of Israel. Right. So, so all and he was. Yeah, and he was, and he was. Yeah, uh, and so all these prophecies that Israel got um, that you see uh, in the prophets and all these foreshadows, all of that was pointing to Jesus, the Davidic line, mm-hmm. um, uh, 
through King David, all that was to end in the culmination of Jesus. And so Jesus was the Messiah and the fulfillment of Israel. And so the, the kink in that chain is that Israel has rejected its own Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you can't even get your own people to follow this guy. So is he the guy? Like, like so, so either, either Jesus isn't the guy or the promises that you've made to them aren't holding true. Right. Um, which is kind of where that, where the, the mm-hmm. route that, that Paul takes in that, which is a big problem. Yeah. Like, like on the surface, it's, it's a big problem. If, if you're not upholding your promises to them, uh, how can we trust that you're upholding the promises to us? Because mm-hmm. uh, Romans 8 ended with all of these wonderful promises for God's people um, that, uh, that they would be justified and glorified and all that stuff and that um, nothing can separate us uh, from the love of God. That's how Romans 8 ends. And the next question is like, well, hold up, man. What about Israel? What about Israel? What's going on with them? <laughs> yeah, it's like you're telling me that nothing's going to separate us from God, but Israel is separated from God. So has God's word failed in that case? And if it's failed in that case, who's to say it's not going to fail in our case? Yep. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the, the setting that, that, that Paul's talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's a uh, very important context mm-hmm. uh, to that particular verse as well. And so uh, what is, what's Paul's response to the question? No. <laughs> is the, that's the short answer. No. Yeah. God's promises have not failed. And then he goes on to explain that, yeah, not all of the people who are born from ethnic Israel are of the true Israel mm-hmm. or of, uh, of the true believers or uh, really the, the capital C church yeah. uh, that's existed uh, you know, and, and been made up of uh, true believers from the very beginning. Yep. Right? Those are two separate things. You've got ethnic Israel and then, for lack of a better term, spiritual Israel. Yes. Um, and, and we see this all, all the time. Uh, with When any religion becomes big enough to have like a cultural um, presence, mm-hmm. um, what always comes up out of that are true followers of that religion and then cultural followers mm-hmm. of that religion. And, and you saw this with Israel. You see this with Jews, which uh, I'm, I'm going to categorize those separately because you got Israel. When I refer to Israelites, I'm going to refer to Old Testament Jews, which are the Israelites, more modern day. Um, let's call it that. Um, so you see there's there's very much like Orthodox Jews who really follow Judaism, mm-hmm. and then you got cultural Jews that that's just what they're born into, right. and they identify as Jewish. Same thing with Catholics. You have mm-hmm. uh, cultural Catholicism, and then you have true people who follow Catholicism. Uh, same thing with um Muslim, mm-hmm. you've got cultural Muslims, and then you've got true Orthodox Muslims. Uh, same thing with Christians today. Yep. You got cultural Christians, and yeah, Orthodox true followers mm-hmm. of God Christians. Yep. Um, so it's not just it's a concept that we see all the time, and and Paul's just stating it's the same thing with Israel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, and Jesus even uh, had to answer this question uh, to an extent about well, if we're born within the the sort of family or, or the the people of Israel like if we have Abraham as our father you know that means that we're we're good right so in John chapter 8 uh, Jesus is is saying uh, starting in verse 31 uh, to these Jews who had believed him he says if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples 
you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then they're like, hold on, pause. We've, uh, we've never been slaves before. Uh, we're the offspring of, of Abraham. So how is it that we're not free right now? Because we, we feel pretty free because we're from Abraham. And then Jesus goes on and he answers. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And he goes on. He says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham. (laughs) Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. And then uh, they go on and, and the Jews there answer him. Abraham is our father. <laughs> Just to be super, super clear, Abraham is our father. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think that's something that that I don't think we can fully understand how much they placed validity in their lineage. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not even to like, not even that that was a bad thing, because if you look throughout the Old Testament, lineage was a very important thing. Yeah. You um, needed to know, like, of which tribe you were yeah, a part yeah. of, like, uh, to know, you know, which uh, land or, you know, if you could serve as a, a priest or a yeah. Levite. Like, mm-hmm. they, there's a reason there's so many genealogies in Scripture. Yes. Yeah. All that's very good and very important, especially um, in that time. They just place a little. They they switch the significance of it. So instead right. of the significance being you know like heritage and and where you can serve and things like that, they they had switched it to like salvation. Right. It's like because we're born of this, we're automatically saved. Right. And yeah. Jesus' response to them is, uh, yeah, if y'all were true children of Abraham, you wouldn't be trying to kill me. Yeah. Right. You would follow me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so even there in John chapter eight, we see this difference Communicating of the similar thing. Yeah. This yeah. ethnic Israel versus. Mm-hmm. A true Israel that that responds, that listens, and responds correctly to God the Son in mm-hmm. this case. Yeah, and, and Jesus even kind of got into that with um, who was the Pharisee that he met with? Uh, Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Yeah, uh, he met with Nicodemus, and was he telling him he's like, you have to be born again uh, to a Pharisee to to a high Jew Israelite? They're like. No, I don't have to be born again. I'm already born. <laughs> right. And Abraham's Israel. good enough. Yeah. yeah. And and he's kind of, kind of gnawing at that concept again of, of it's not a matter of who you're physically born to. It's a matter of if you're born of the Spirit. Right. Um, which is uh, kind of, I think, where Romans 9 lands on. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, if you're a Bible thumper and you heard me say Romans 9 <laughs> and you got super excited uh, because that might be one of the most controversial chapters in the entire Bible. Uh, but I did not touch a single part of the controversial aspect of it. And for that, you owe us all an apology. Yes. <laughs> so if you're a Bible thumper and you got sorely disappointed that I did not get into the controversial aspect of Romans 9, I'm so sorry. Right. Um, yeah. Yep. But yeah, so uh, yeah, you got this ethnic Israel and you've got true spiritual Israel. And those are two different things. And, and what Paul ultimately lands on is that the ones who are rejecting God aren't true Israel. Right. Um, those are ethnic Israel. They're not even part of the promises. They're not part of the covenants. They're not part of that um, because you don't automatically become part of that just because of who your dad is. Right, exactly. And uh, I think probably one of my, like, my one of my favorite examples uh, of this, that this is nothing new, but there is a, a remnant that God is sort of holding uh, is between uh, Judges and Ruth. Mm-hmm. So reading through the book of Judges is super depressing. 
it's like you people are awful. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's God. Uh, well, they they all <coughs> depart from God. They're following after idols. So what does God do? Well, He sends uh, people to go and oppress them, right? And in response, the people cry out to God for deliverance. God listens. He raises up a judge. Uh, they get delivered, right? The, they're no longer oppressed by whichever people it is um, that we're talking about. And then they go right back to doing the same things that they were, except worse now. Mm-hmm. And it's the whole book of Judges is that way. Just over and, and over just again. Is, yeah. It's, it's just a circle. It's almost like Chinese water torture <laughs> trying to read it. And it's like this slow drip, drip, drip yeah. that just won't stop. Yeah. And then you get to Ruth. And it is a breath of fresh air every time. Like, okay, like, yeah, there are people who are faithful, even in the midst of that generation. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately from Ruth and Boaz, who who are faithful, right, comes uh, King David, ultimately. Yeah, well, and even within Ruth and Boaz, you see this, the kinsman redeemer, mm-hmm. kind of like a symbology, uh, where... Um, where you just got done seeing this over and over again, this demonstration of the nature of man, mm-hmm. where the nature of man over and over again. I, I think that's why you see. So, so the question is, okay, why didn't Jesus get sent sooner? Right. Uh, that, that's sometimes what people ask is like, why did God wait so long? And I think one of the reasons He waited uh, was to just give us a very clear picture of what the nature of mankind is. It's like how many times, like it's probably over a hundred times mm-hmm. that God kind of reinstated mankind to um, to follow him again. And every time they just go right back to what they were doing. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's this very clear picture of um, this is the nature of man to go against God, not to come to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so you see that in Judges over and over again, uh, just demonstrating that nature. And then you've got this, um, uh, symbolism in Ruth and Boaz of the Redeemer who comes in and in the midst of this nature of man, there's going to be a Redeemer who pulls us all back up. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, it's almost like God could have just saved uh, himself and everybody a lot of time by like making Facebook sooner and earlier. <laughs> and then we'd have had the Azel Residence page and then yeah. we wouldn't have needed it because yeah. we can clearly see. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> You think that uh, God would have flooded the earth sooner <laughs> if that was the case? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Or if the Facebook page was there, he's like, I- I'm not even going to save one of you. <laughs> I'm just, right, we're just, just going to... Just what, you know, forget the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. You know what? This was a mistake. No. <laughs> uh, all right. So, <laughs> um, any other thoughts on that first point? Uh, yeah, I think that's just well established that um, this isn't anything new. That very concept, one, the concept of asking the question, has God failed, is in the Bible. And then uh, the concept of how do we explain people going away from God is in the Bible, explicitly here, um, implicitly all throughout the Bible. Uh, Um, And so, so again, this is nothing new. We've just kind of been privileged in a way to live in a Christian society Mm -hmm. and Christian culture. And right now, we're just we're catching up with history yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, we, we've lived in a, a little bit of a bubble. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. So that was point one. Mm-hmm. This is nothing new. This isn't nothing s- surprising to God. It shouldn't be surprising to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, point number two. There is always the true church, mm-hmm. which is encouraging because as we've just got done discussing, 
people tend to be fickle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, even, uh, I think you mentioned First and Second Kings, um, even the kings that start out following pretty well, I mean, you can, you know, Solomon or Joash, for example, mm-hmm. or Judah, they start out looking pretty good. And then by the time that they get to the end of their reign, it's like, dude, what happened to you? Yeah, well, like, that's why we have term limits. Yeah, right. <laughs> term limits and uh, and uh, elections with a peaceful transition of power, yeah. so we don't have to murder the king. Yeah, right. <laughs> what is it that Batman says? Uh, it's like, um, it's like you. Oh gosh, what was it? It was. Uh, you die soon enough to be the hero or live long enough to become the villain. Yep. Something like that. Yeah, that uh, sounds about right, doesn't it? That's pretty much mm, those kings right there. Yep. So uh, the passage that, that you uh, sort of brought up for this second point, that there's always the true church, comes out of Romans 11. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is Romans 11 verses, not chapter, verses 1 through 5. Yeah, which Romans – so. So for fuller context, Romans nine, ten, and eleven are kind of like one, one kind of thought, one argument uh, that's, in a lot of ways. that's going through. And so uh, Romans nine opens up with um, Israel's not following God. Um, has God failed? No. There's ethnic Israel and spiritual Israel, and he gives a lot of arguments as to um, why God has the um, uh, the ability and the sovereignness to. Uh, do whatever he wants with his salvation. Uh, and then uh, kind of in the midst of that, like the Gentiles, mm-hmm. uh, the concept of the Gentiles starts to get mixed into that and saying that uh, those who are part of true Israel, be it Israel or, or the Gentiles, uh, have been saved by grace through faith, not by works, not by the law. Uh, he goes on a little side tangent on um, uh, evangelism. Mm-hmm. And then he in Romans 11, hops back on Israel, and kind of the question being brought up is, has God abandoned? No, okay, Israel's abandoned God. Now has God abandoned Israel? Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, the reverse question has has come up, and that's where you know, we, we get into what, what Paul's about to talk about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Romans 11, starting in verse 1, I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace." Man, <laughs> which is a, a great answer to that question, right? Mm-hmm. Has God rejected his people? And then like, no. Paul says, he doesn't just say no, by no means. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's serious yeah. uh, here and, and wants to communicate that. And so uh, in the sermon you brought up that at the time of Elijah, there were roughly two and a half million to three million people that were uh, living in Israel at the time. Mm-hmm. 7,000 men. Uh, mm-hmm. that God had kept for himself that had not uh, engaged in idolatry. And uh, I'm really glad that you did the math for us. Yeah, <laughs> I almost didn't until I just thought about it. I was like, wait, seven, there are a lot of Israelites. There's only 7,000? Because uh, that was um, Elijah's, Elijah's issue was like, oh, my gosh, like Israel's abandoning you. They're tearing down everything. They're coming after me. And he's like, 
he's like, no, 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 no. There's seven thousand, um, which sounds like a lot. Like, like that's a that's a giant church. Yeah. But but this isn't confined to just Azel, right. like you know, uh, comparatively, uh, not even to just uh, you know the tri county area. It's mm-hmm. like we're talking about two at the time, two uh, complete kingdoms, mm-hmm. um, spanning you know three million people, and seven thousand spread across three million people is a very low number. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, how low? 0.23%. Ran the numbers. 0.23%. Point, we're seeing the decline of Christianity with 64% Christians in America. How would it look with two, 0.23% of the population? Yeah, and that's really probably why Elijah... Or part of the reason why he thought that he was it, he mm-hmm. was alone. Um, and I mean, there's more to the to the story mm-hmm. than that, but it it probably was not very evident to him that anybody was really following at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that was meant to be an encouragement to Elijah, right? Yeah, right. Um, so, so you might look at that and say, like, "There's 0.23 percent of people who are following me." We would look at that and be like, "We're discouraged by that." But where was Elijah coming from? Elijah was coming from, "I'm the last one." And they're trying to kill me. And they're trying. To, I'm about to die. Yeah. <laughs> and that'll be it. And that'll no be more. it. And uh, God's encouragement to him was, "No, you're not the last one. There's a remnant um, that's always been, always mm-hmm. will be, uh, of seven thousand. The church, even though it seems dark in this moment, the church is standing strong. That's through. right. Yep. That's right. There's still a remnant, and and uh, these are the the people uh, here in this passage. We get that these are the ones that haven't uh, chased after idols mm-hmm. or. Uh, bowed the knee uh, to Baal. And then what I thought was just really encouraging is, is again, verse 5. At the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's like that right there is encouraging, yeah. uh, all all on its own, uh, even though the numbers for Elijah are slightly depressing. Yeah, uh, uh, more so. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if the numbers would be lower for when Paul was writing that. Probably not. It would probably be higher um, than even... Uh, it was back with Elijah, because uh, you have at least seven. No, you have at least five thousand from from Pentecost mm-hmm. uh, of Jews, and then probably over the span of you know next twenty years, forty years, probably more than that. Yeah. Um, so, so if anything, the the present remnant for Paul in the moment was probably larger. And the remnant that he's even referencing right. uh, in Israel. And same with us. Like the remnant today undoubtedly is much larger than the remnant was even then. Right. Um, At the very least in pure numbers, raw numbers. Yeah, yeah, in, in raw numbers uh, because uh, the gospel has now gone out to the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a caveat also that, that I didn't get a chance to put in is that while we're seeing the decline of Christianity in America um, – Christianity is on the rise in a lot of other countries. Mm, that's right. Um, and so, so we're we're kind of we're the, the decline that we're talking about is kind of like confined to America, right? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and so, there's always going to be a true church. There's always a remnant who are uh, true followers of God, people who are actually following that aren't uh, engaged in the idolatry of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say, kind of bringing it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, with cultural decline and a, the true church kind of like standing strong despite that, um, how is that potentially a, a good thing? How is that good news for the church? How is that yeah. good news for us? I think it's really good news. 
good, good news and bad news. Bittersweet thing. Um, bitter because we're seeing uh, a culture move away from God. Mm-hmm. Sweet because you're seeing a, a purifying um, of God's church. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, I, I talked about this with someone after the service yesterday, uh, where when you have um, when you have culture like a religion, so let's say Christianity, take over the culture like it did 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. What you're inevitably going to have is the intermingling of the true followers of Christ and cultural Christians. Uh, and it's hard. It's the wheat and tares kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to tell who's who. Um, and uh, it's just the popular thing to do. It's like you wake up on Sunday and what does everyone do? Like back then, all of the all of the stores were closed. Yep. No one was open on Sunday uh, because uh, you would be considered a pagan yeah. if you had your store open on Sunday. I think even in some places it was against the law mm-hmm. to yeah, be open was. on Sunday. Um, and so you, you get this like cultural thing going on where people are following God, not because they're truly following God, but because it's the cultural norm right. to follow God. Um, and what that does is that creates it creates a gray church, mm-hmm. like, like where you, you do have true followers of God, but they're kind of intermingled, like very much like it was with the Israelites. You had the true Israelites following God, but they were kind of being muddled up mm-hmm. by all of ethnic Israel. Um, and so whenever the culture moves away from God and it becomes much less popular to follow God, uh, Christianity becomes much less popular, uh, on the inverse that we're kind of starting to see is that Christianity is actually becoming the unpopular thing to do. Um, uh, they're becoming much more persecuted uh, and de-incentivized, de-incentivized mm-hmm. to follow God, right? Um, uh, th- there's no upside <laughs> yep. uh, to follow God in the culture. And so what that does is all of these like cultural, like surface level Christians, they just bounce. Yep. They're like, I, I, I didn't sign up for this. Um, like, I'm not going to go you know, make my life harder for something I don't actually believe in. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you see this this great purification of the church. Downside is cultural culture goes downhill. Upside is everyone's crystal clear where the line is. Because mm-hmm. um, especially in the Bible Belt, when everyone's Christian, whether or not you actually are, evangelism becomes harder. Yep, that's right. right. Because what you have to do is you have to convince someone they're not a Christian before you can even share with them how to become a Christian. Uh, Yeah. That's right. And those are the hardest people to reach in a lot of ways. It's like, well, I go to church. Well, Mm -hmm. I I read my Bible. I pray. It's like, are you following, right? And so, yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, when When there's a cost involved, like a real, in this case, cultural cost of following Christ and being a true follower, then, yeah, uh, the result is going to be uh, purity uh, for the mm-hmm. church. And the downside, too, is, um, you know, it's uh, it makes it harder for those who are uh, true believers to uh, to get along with the world, but then, well, boom, we, we start to feel like uh, sojourners and strangers, uh, even in our own land, right? Mm-hmm. We're really aliens, and, and our home is, is in heaven, not, mm-hmm. not here on earth with this uh, culture and generation and, and yeah. those sorts of things. Well, and that's where, like, like, we really need to like restructure. Like, like, what's the goal in this? Mm-hmm. If the goal is numbers, then we're going to be sad yeah. about the cultural decline because uh, because the numbers go down. Here's here's what I think. I think from 
50 years ago to now, on paper, there's 26% less Christians. I think in reality, that number's much less. Because mm-hmm. I think that that 26% that's fallen off um, are people who were surface-level Christians to begin with. And even if you look, honestly, I think that 64% of Christian or Americans who identify as Christian, I think the number is actually much lower than that of yeah. people who are true, truly following. And it's hard to like judge a, a true follower of Christ because yeah. that's mainly a hard issue. But if we were just look at metrics, the number of people who are actually practicing Christianity in terms of like involved in church and attending church, um, uh, don't, don't quote me on this. It's, this came from conversations. I haven't actually read the, the thing, but, but they said that number is actually 25%. And so you've got 64% who identifies Christian, but only 25% are actually practicing it. And so that seems like a much more like yeah. realistic number to me. Uh, that even might be high. Yeah. Um, uh, but but again, the if the goal is numbers, then let's just get as many people in the building. Who cares if they're actually saved or not? As long as like they they look like they're saved. Right. But if the goal is um, to actually have people follow Christ, then now the, the the purifying of the church is a good thing because now everyone's on the same page. Right. I'm not actually following God. Right. And there's even two ways to go about thinking about growth, right? And the easiest one is numbers. Just It's easy. It's yeah. a metric. It's, yeah. You can really put your hands on it and, yeah. and, and handle it and see and track statistics and things like that. Numbers are easy. But another way that the church grows and – uh, this may even, be, in a way, be more significant than the just raw numbers of it is spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. And uh, are we uh, – and I think I'm getting a little yeah, bit ahead. Yeah, we're, we? we're moving a little we? bit into point three, <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. okay. Well, I, will. Um, I mean, we, we want to pursue holiness mm-hmm. and, and purity uh, individually but also as a church. So that way uh, when, uh, when we're presented uh, to Christ as his bride, uh, we – we can show ourselves to be mm-hmm. uh, the the pure bride that he purchased uh, with his blood. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that you see in the New Testament, okay, so, so we're moving into point three, yes. which po- point three is God has a plan for his church. Mm-hmm. Um, and that plan is uh, full maturity in Christ to be molded into the image of Christ. And so it's not numbers. Right. It's not numbers. Um, if you look at the New Testament, there's lots of letters where Paul's writing to people, James, Peter, um, uh, you even have Revelation where you have seven individual letters to, to seven individual churches. I can't think of a single time that a church was chastised for numbers. Like, like they're not big enough. Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, do you, can, uh, correct me if no, I'm wrong. Um, I, I can't think of one. No, the only, uh, the only, you know, kind of numbers driven anything that I can think of, and this is even, you know, sort of just implied is uh, Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. Go into the world uh, and make disciples mm-hmm. of all nations. Now, it, there's not like a quota. Yeah, right? well, and and so, now you have yeah. like Paul and like Peter and these ones who are like writing to actual churches. Mm-hmm. And these churches have a number of issues. And like the, the, the church back then was much different than the church now, even in terms of size. Like yeah. is, is all in house churches. Um, 40 would probably have been a good number yeah, for that, them. That was a mega church. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's just it's just different. For, if you were to go into a church of 40 now, you'd be like, wow, this is a tiny church. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
And so I think a lot of times it's easy for us to like shift things around and, and start to become more numbers focused. But if you see Paul and, and the apostles addressing these churches, never did they like chastise them and like you're getting too small, right. you're getting too small, you're getting too small. It was always purification. It was always holiness. Mm-hmm. It was always how are you through the spirit um, growing up into Christ. That was that yep. was their 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 main thing, and, and I think the reason for that was is if if we can get the church to where it needs to be spiritually, the natural outflow of that is going to be evangelism. Right, the numbers will come. The numbers will come. Yeah, yeah. But if you focus solely on the numbers now. Um, and, and this is no one's intent, right. but if you focus solely on the numbers, even for good reasons, now it's at the the expense of um, discipleship yeah. and maturity, and then you get into uh, the issues you see in Corinth, right? right? Where it's just a bunch of like surface level Christians who who don't um, uh, have any spiritual maturity, and because of that, have a bunch of junk mm-hmm. in the church. That's right. Yeah. So, um, well, we've already kind of hit that uh, uh, that point, and uh, even in Ephesians, uh, you know, four and, and Ephesians chapter five. But um, man, it's it's good to know that you know God does have a purpose, um, and and this is where you know we can we can use this fancy theological term eschatology, mm-hmm. which a ninety percent of the time when you say eschatology people tend to think of like oh it's the apocalypse or yeah. like the end of the very the very end of the end times and things like that um, but eschatology really has a, a fuller and richer meaning and it's it's about driving towards a particular purpose or end and God uh, from the very beginning of creation has a purpose and a plan that uh, even though I mean, there's those specific times in the Bible where it's like, man, uh, this plan seems to have been completely derailed, but it's not uh, mm-hmm. at the same time. So, like, uh, the, the goal really uh, is, I mean, there's a lot of different, and we could talk, uh, we could do an entire podcast just on this. So, um, but I mean, the, the overarching goal is life, one, it's to fill the earth, uh, subdue it, really take uh, God's dwelling place with man and, and expand it into the entire world. And we see <coughs> at the very end of Revelation, that's exactly what happens mm-hmm. um, ultimately in mm-hmm. Revelation 21. And so uh, I even think it's, uh, it's very encouraging to know that despite, <laughs> despite everything that's happening in the culture, despite um, the, the fickleness, the sinfulness of mankind generally, uh, you know, d- despite the decline, that God is going to fulfill His purposes, regardless of uh, of what the numbers look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and if anything, in God fulfilling those purposes, the decline might be part of that plan. It might be um, not in the sense of God is causing the decline, but in the sense that God might be giving us over to our desires and our wants as judgment. Right. Um, Romans one. Romans one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where where. Uh, if a if a people and a culture are constantly going against God and saying we want this, we want this, we want this, eventually God is going to say, "All right, take it." And what's going to happen when God gives us over to our sin? What's going to happen? We're going to go deeper into that sin mm-hmm. and deeper away from God, um, and and that's a form of judgment. And and that does two things: one to the culture that uh, lets them hit rock bottom and feel the full weight of their sin hopefully to 
to wake them up and pull mm-hmm. them back. And that's going to purify the church yep. um, because there's going to be a, a, an increasing divide. And so in the well, one of the things, uh, I did have some application points that I was going to do, but just didn't have time to do. Yep. Um, but one of those application points was going to be, okay, in this time of, of decline, how can we fulfill the plan of God for the church to be to be pure and to make the image of Christ? Like use this time of purification where we don't have all this this surface level junk in our church. Let's use this time to to man just grow so strong together as the church, so that way, like like we're able to to move forward mm-hmm. solid, right? Um, in that, and we'll um, need each other mm-hmm. uh, in a big way. I mean, as the culture continues to decline, I mean, it has really shown very little sign of letting up anytime soon. No, right? No. I mean, we yeah, we have the Bud Light. Yeah, there, there's uh, been a little bit of pushback, but even a lot of that pushback isn't even a Christian pushback. Right, right. Um, it's a, it's more of just a cultural pushback. Right, that's right. And mm-hmm. uh, it's like, yeah, uh, you know, go get Bud Light. And then at the same time, it's like, well, you know, uh, is there a, a predominantly Christian force behind that? No. Uh, definitely not a Baptist force. <laughs> it's a, it's... <laughs> Uh, it's a little bit more of a meme yeah, yeah, force yeah, uh, right. that's setting it. Yeah, um, exactly. The power of memes, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't think it's it's going anywhere. Um, I, I don't see this nation becoming Christian again anytime soon. Maybe conservative, mm-hmm. but conservative and Christian aren't the same thing, right? right. Um, and so, so I think uh, I think. We're here to stay for a little bit, mm-hmm. and where we're at. Uh, and so the question isn't how do we cling to the past and get back to you know the good old days. The question is how do we come together and fulfill the plan of God, um, primarily in being molded and shaped into the image of Christ, mm-hmm. and as an outflow of that, evangelism right. into uh, into the culture. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and I think it's probably worth uh, sort of throwing out there. That just because the culture is declining and declining at the rate that it is, and that uh, Christianity, as far as pure numbers, are also declining, and we're going to focus on the purity of the church, and then from there focus on evangelism. That's not us waving a white flag or no, surrender no. Uh, by any stretch, right? We don't no. want anybody to think that, like, oh, well, the culture's so awful. Let's uh, let's just forget about it. We'll sort of cloister ourselves and just mm-hmm. just do church together, and then mm-hmm. like kind of be done, right? Uh, that's not a biblical way to uh, well, interact with the yeah, culture. Yeah, and, and it's it's going. What's what's the goals and what's the plan for the church? Mm-hmm. And the goals and the plan for the church was never to change culture. Right. Um, uh, it, it's a little bit different society from then to now, but but a lot of times when you're seeing uh, in the letters of the New Testament, they kind of they very much take the approach of like, hey, the world is the world. Right, and, and the world's going to do what the world's going to do. Your your job isn't to try to change behaviors of the world. Right. Your job is to um, authentically follow Christ and grow into Him, and then be a force of God's light into the culture. Um, but it's not like uh, legislatively change the culture. Right, um, and it's a little bit different society. Like back then, it was emperor rule. Um, there was no democracy. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit different now because we do have like a democratic republic. 
where um, we do get to vote and do stuff. And so vote, do, do those things. Those are good things. Like, like, um, like vote for justice to take place mm-hmm. and all that is good things, but it's, it's not the goal. Like, like we can, let's say we were to make the culture completely Christian and um, all of God's laws are the laws of the land people are just as unsaved as they were before. Right. Um, and so it's like, that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is for the church to be strong and then to be a, an evangelism right. or evangelistic posture right. out of that. Um, and that, and that's, that's the goal. And so if, if we even take a step back and say, okay, we're not going to, we're, we're going to let the culture be the culture. That's not us waving the white flag because that was never the goal. Right. Just try to, Grab the culture by right. hand. Yeah, didn't yeah. want anybody misunderstanding yeah. that. Yeah. That, uh, oh, we're just going to completely disengage. Yeah. Right? No, like being engaged is a good yeah. thing. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, when we see injustices happening, like we can celebrate uh, victories, like Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. for example, was overturned. Yeah. Like we can celebrate that yeah. because yeah. now um, this is an injustice, right? Mm-hmm. The, the murder of, of children before they're born. I mean, yeah, that's uh, justice is something that God is very concerned about. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, like, that's not a bad thing. And that's the I point mean, of the government. Right. The point of the government is to enact justice. Right. And so if we have a uh, – we're getting a little off topic. But yeah, if, we we have, if we have a, um, a say in how the government is structured, then use your voice, use your vote to um, uh, help mold the government into a force of justice because that's the whole point right. of the government. Right. Exactly. Yeah. just want to clarify yeah. that yeah. Uh, so there's no misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. So uh, what? Uh, so that was kind of the first. Uh, or did, did you have sort of more things in mind as far as application goes? Um, so the main things were, um, and we'll just draw them off real quickly. Uh, so one was just stay faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, so as the culture declines and as we kind of start to ask the question of like, oh my gosh, like are we failing? Like is the church failing? There's going to be a great temptation to shift our focus off of Jesus and onto how do we get people in the seats. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's, without implying motive, I think that's where some of the denominations have gone. It's like, okay, the culture's shifting this way. How do we shift ourselves to meet the culture there Mm -hmm. and hopefully get them in the building? And, um, and, And I'm not against the idea of like, doing everything you can for evangelism, for right. sin. Like, you know, I'm all things to all people, yeah. as Paul said. I'm not against that. But if it starts to get to that point where you're taking your eyes off of Jesus and shifting doctrine mm-hmm. and shifting principles and values and the Word of God, yeah. that's where it's like, oh, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Stand strong in in the faith. Stand strong uh, in the Word of God, keeping your eyes on Jesus. Don't get off target. Even if you think, oh my gosh, we, we need to change this to get people in the building. Right. So that's kind of the first thing. Stay right. faithful. Uh, yeah, don't compromise on truth. Yes. Right, to, yep. to, to cater to, mm-hmm. uh, to the world. Yeah, right. Stay faithful. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that, that was the first one. Second one, um, application point was uh, uh, like build endurance. Mm-hmm. And so in this time where uh, the church is going through a, a refining period and a purifying period, it's going to get hard. Mm-hmm. Um, logistically it's going to get hard because the the smaller the church gets the less resources the church has the less people the church has to do what it needs to do um it's going to get hard um persecution wise uh that the the culture more and more is going to press in on the church and in on christians and all of those trials 
um, as uh, James points out, is to help um, build a maturity and an endurance in us so that we might be, again, as the, the final point was, uh, be built up into the full maturity of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, so use this time. Don't complain about it. Yeah. Rejoice. Like uh, James says, consider it a great joy when you experience these trials. Um, so don't complain about it, um, but consider it joy because it's doing something in us and molding us even more into the image of Christ. Mm So build endurance through it. And then the last one was going to be carry out the mission, Mm -hmm. which we kind of talked about is like, like God's plan for the church is to, to be molded into Christ, but that doesn't mean that we stop there. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the plan is to be molded into Christ. Now we take that and go into the world uh, for evangelism. And And so, so even though numbers isn't the goal that doesn't mean that we don't seek to convert and share the gospel. Right. Okay. Well, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, those are uh, three good things that we can be doing in light of the rest of it. So, yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, before we uh, we sort of shift mm-hmm. into the bad doctrine of the week, I want to circle back to that opening illustration. Okay. And just yeah. say, the kitchen renovation, it looks great, mm-hmm. um, but... Yeah, there's a butt coming. There, where is my, uh, yeah. So I'm afraid that you might have heard an amen sometime in there whenever you said, you know, we got 90% of it done, and then the last 10%, uh-huh. it's going to be that way for 10 years. I mm-hmm. think my wife was that may your have wife? been the one that said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, I, you man, it really spoke to me. On that yeah, um, that's funny. Uh, you got home and your wife is like, did you listen? Yeah. <laughs> right. You listened uh, to the sermon, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Um, so so that kitchen renovation might be the only one that got 100% done. Uh, everything else is like 90%. Um, there's some some rooms that don't have baseboards yet. Uh, none of the baseboards are painted. Um, none of the doors are painted. Uh, and so it's just sitting in this like good enough state. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. We can function in this space right yeah. now. It'll be okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I understand. Yeah. yeah. I understand that completely. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I, I really liked the, the opening illustration. It was again, uh, just to underscore the fact that God has a plan and a purpose and we're going yeah. somewhere. Yeah. It's we're not, going somewhere. It's not that he's, you know, taking his hands off the wheel, uh, you know, so to say, but that yeah. like, no, we're, we're still driving towards the purpose that he set out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, sometimes, sometimes that means it's, it's going to look worse before it gets better. Yep. Uh, kind of thing. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. kind of like when the kids, uh, it's like, Hey, y'all go clean up, you know, uh, the girl's room or whatever. And they're, they're in there and they like pull everything yeah. out. It's like, what are y'all doing? Y'all are supposed to be clean. And then they're like, well, yeah. we, we're going to put it all up. We just have to make it a little dirtier first before we actually go about cleaning. Yeah, it. yeah. When you go clean a closet, uh, not so much anymore, but when I was a kid, everything went in the closet. And so when you actually went to clean the closet, like the room looks much worse than it did before because now all of the junk that's been hiding is now out. Yep. Uh, Same with under the bed. Yeah. Like, y'all clean out from under there, too. Yeah, and so sometimes for things to get better, they have to get a little bit worse, seemingly mm-hmm. a little bit worse, uh, before it can be put back together in the proper way. Yeah, um, but we're marching towards that end. Yeah, we're marching right. towards that end. Yep. yep. All right, well, uh, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll just recap it one more time just for everyone. So uh, in the decline of Christianity in America and in the church, 
has God failed? Are we losing? No. Reason being, one, it's nothing new. It's always been the case uh, throughout history and throughout mankind to ebb and flow to God and away from God. Uh, but in the midst of that fickleness, um, there's the true church, the remnant of God, who are standing firm through it all. And God has a plan for that church to be molded and shaped into the image of Christ, and he's going to carry out that plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let us know what you think about that. All right. Bad doctrine of the week. I've got one. It's a sad one. Here's a sad <laughs> um, Normally, our, our bad doctrines of the week have a hint of humor to it. This, one's, this one doesn't have a hint of humor. This one's just depressing. This one's just depressing. Okay. Dude, but, we, I mean, we just got through talking about a sermon on the decline of the church in America, and now we have a depressing yeah. <laughs> bad doctrine of the week. Okay. All okay. Right. So, I'm ready. Um, okay. So, this is a tweet uh, from a lady, Joe L- Lumen. Don't know who it is. It was on the the topic of abortion, and I'm just going to read it. It's very sad. I would rather get an abortion than have a brown child who ends up being adopted by white evangelicals. It's not a kindness to children of the global majority to give them to people who will traumatize them with self and, and ancestral hatred. An abortion is an act of love. That is sad. That's <laughs> sad. Someone believes that. There's yeah. the culture on full display yeah. right there. So, yes. oh, man. Yeah, so, so, so let's just paraphrase that yeah. uh, just to say what, what she's getting at. She's essentially saying if there's a brown child, an ethnic child, a uh, person of color, whatever, um, it's better to kill that child than for that child to end up in a white evangelical home. Uh, and that her boarding that child is the greatest act of love that she could give that child. There's lots of ways we can go with this, but what's your, what's your opening thoughts? I kind of want to know where does this uh, sort of demonization of white evangelicals come from? Mm-hmm. Is it, I mean, is it really more rooted in, you know, what, what the political news media kind of puts out there and, and then how they, they sort of characterize white evangelicals as being Republican, Trump supporters, mm-hmm. and conservatives. And um, do you think that's where this kind of feeling? That we I'm get sure. Comes yeah. From? Uh, so this was in 2022. Yeah. So it was post Trump. Uh, I think. I think that 2020 election was 2020. No, yeah. it was 2016. 2016. Oh, yeah, 2016 is when it started. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This. Uh, it's always been there, but it, it kind of got pushed much more to the forefront that if you are Republican, you're probably white, probably racist, probably Christian, and all of these things are um, uh, oppressing other people, particularly people of color and minority groups and whatnot. Uh, so I would say that's probably where it comes from. That, that That's where I saw it. Um, really escalate. Yeah, um, it's always been, but I think it's really escalated yeah. with that. And uh, she's using big words too. Uh, she's she's not just not that evangelical is itself a like mm-hmm. a, oh this is a big word, but it's it's a word that has lots and lots of uh, meaning behind it, right? Mm-hmm. And so if this is just like a casual thought that that she's had and felt the need to share with the world for some mm-hmm. reason. Um, you know, it kind of begs the question, where did this come from? You know, mm-hmm. and, and so thinking through, you know, like 
where do we see that term evangelical thrown out uh, when we're not like taking seminary classes or things like that? And a lot of it's in that news media. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be shocked if she read an article or something like yeah. that, um, that that really focused on white evangelical Protestants or mm-hmm. whatever, and then uh, was fired up about something, and yeah. then the, the tweet is the sort of result. Um, yeah. Man. So what do you think about... Um, so, so there's clearly a lot of baggage about yeah, her yeah. views towards white evangelicals. Um, but what do you think about it's better for that child to just be killed rather than be in the midst of them? Um, yeah, I think that at the at the very core, there is a um, a root uh, misunderstanding, uh, sort of. Um, I mean the the whole premise of her tweet right makes some key assumptions, right? <clears throat> so one of those is that uh, death is is a release or a relief or uh, potentially an act of love uh, in this case. Mm-hmm. Now, that's one of them. Um, uh, and I don't think that holds up uh, to when, when weighed against Scripture at all, right? One of the goals, we even talked about it today, one of the goals is life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus says that, that he came that uh, we can have life and have it abundantly. I mean, mm-hmm. this is uh, this is one of the, the purposes uh, of God is, is life. Mm-hmm. He created life, right? Uh, he created life w- without death, right? It's because of Adam and Eve's sin that death even entered into the picture because death didn't fit in uh, in the Garden of Eden at all. And so this, first off, the idea that death is a release, death is a kindness, uh, death, uh, murder is love – just really goes to show how skewed the culture has become. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you were to like apply that to, any, to anything, so have you seen Canada has um, uh, becoming more and more open to their um, like assisted suicide laws? Uh, I believe it. Yeah, and so um, you know, basically, it, it's it's giving people the option of the greatest kindness we can do for you is just to let you die, which is like a really sad statement. Right. Um, And, you know, we usually go to like the most extreme examples of like, you know, someone is like, you know, in a vegetable state, you know, can't do whatever. And but but that's not where it's actually the rubber's meeting the road. The rubber's meeting the road of like, I'm depressed. Therefore, I should just die. And it's like, okay, yeah, because it it used to be I'm suicidal because I'm depressed. And and it used to be like, no, no, let let me remind you of all the great things of life and and where where you can go from here and that that this isn't the end. And it goes to like, you're right. Life is depressing. Let let me help you end it. Right. Like like that's just on the surface, it has this like like this hint of empathy to it. But if you just look past the surface just a little bit, you're like, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, like you really think helping someone die is a kindness. Right. And that's basically, it's just taking that same thing implied to here. And, mm-hmm. and in this case with this woman, it's um, being raised by white evangelicals, which I think is just a, a crazy thought for a number of reasons. One to get adopted, you go through a pretty lengthy, yeah. um, uh, background process Mm -hmm. and so like if these quote-unquote white evangelicals were going to be abusive um they wouldn't make it past that that process um uh but let's just move that aside and say whether it's white evangelicals who are going to be um not raising them in the way that you think that they should or it's like someone's going to be raised up into poverty or they're going to have a disability Mm -hmm. that's a big thing um, if they're going to have any sort of like difficulties in life, 
it's a greater kindness to just end it. Yeah, and and that's really the that's the argument that's yeah. that's being made is it's about quality of life. Yeah, that's yeah. that's really what she's saying. But man, uh, if you if you go back even just a couple of generations, yeah. poverty uh, was was much more than the norm. I don't think uh, a lot of us tend to realize just how prosperous that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, and if you apply that same that same logic that hey, if quality of life isn't going to be what you know an individual thinks if that I it can't get be, an iPhone fourteen, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But I mean, the the truth of the matter is. There would be a lot of us who are here today that wouldn't be here today mm-hmm. if if this was uh, you know something that's logically carried through in in every case. Yeah. So, for example, Mark, uh, our our grandpa, he grew up in an orphanage. Uh, he uh, his uh, parents couldn't uh, his mom really couldn't afford to to take care of him, and so he and his brothers had to go and and live in an orphanage mm-hmm. uh, up in Oklahoma. And so, I mean, if if that was the case back then, we may not be here, right? right, right. Uh, which is, uh, it's an insane thought that, oh, quality of life, if it's going to be at a particular level, if it's going to be too low, then, you know, just oh, just have an abortion. It's, yeah. a, it's a kindness and, and it's loving that way. When, uh, man, uh, what a, like, sad and bleak outlook on, on life. Like, there's always so much potential. Yeah, well, and even if you were to look at like like through studies, so so the idea being is okay if they don't have X, Y, and Z like poverty or, or money or, or whatever that is, comfort, um, then they're going to have an awful life, and because they're going to have awful life, let's just not give them life at all. Um, if you actually look at studies, that's actually doesn't show the case. So they did a study comparing first world countries to third world countries, mm-hmm. and. Uh, what they did was they they um, analyzed uh, poverty levels and income levels and wealth levels against anxiety um, about their life status. Mm-hmm. And so what you would think is is that the higher the income level goes, the higher the wealth goes, the lower the anxiety goes, right? That's what, you, that's what think. you think would happen. What they found was actually the opposite, is that the higher the wealth level of that country went, the higher the anxiety of that country went. And the lower the, the wealth level of that country went, the lower the anxiety went. And so it's just this thing of like, because someone is in poverty, therefore they're going to have an awful life. It's just not true right. across the board. And if that's the case, we should have just murdered all of history, right? Uh, because we don't even know how good we have it compared right. to history. Yeah, we we um, live very comfortable very uh, lives com- compared to like the overwhelming vast majority of everyone who has ever lived. Yeah, we're in the summer. If uh, if our AC went out for two hours, like we're ready to go find assisted suicide, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can't find the remote. Well, where is it? It's like oh, first world problems right there. You know. Yeah, you go talk to them. It's like, hey man. They're going to get the power back on in like five hours. It's like, no. Just kill me now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and so it's this idea, and if you were to apply it to um, to kids with disability, I think this is one of the more egregious ones, mm-hmm. is that uh, through our technology, we can identify through DNA and, and whatnot if a kid is going to have uh, a disability yep. um, in the womb. And there's some that will say because they're going to have Down syndrome or some other number of disabilities, we should just go ahead and just terminate the pregnancy. And I think that's just such an egregious thought that like, 
because you have a disability, therefore you're not worthy of life. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's rough. And people who think that way, um, I don't think know anyone with disabilities. Like my wife um, works with a ton of people who have disabilities. And, um, and of course, like you're going to have people with disabilities that, that aren't happy, but there's a lot of people with disabilities who are very happy. Mm-hmm. And they, of course, they wouldn't want to die because like they can't walk or because they don't process as right. quickly. Like that's just, that's, that's a, an odd kind of evil to look at someone's ability to do something and then say you're worthy of life or not worthy right. of life. Right. And even uh, there's, what is it, Iceland? Uh, Iceland that has had a 0% uh, Downs, Down syndrome mm-hmm. rate because this is what they were telling these pregnant women is uh, the, they would do the DNA test and determine, okay, the, and I think it's like a probability uh, test, isn't it? It's like it's not 100%, I want to uh, say. I'm not certain. I'm like, my head. What, yeah, yeah, something like Anyway, and so when the test comes back as, as either being positive or there's a high probability that, uh, that the child is going to have Down syndrome or has Down syndrome, um, then they, yeah, they tell them, yeah, let's, let's go on and schedule the abortion now. Mm-hmm. And so in, I think it was in Iceland. They had, a zero, uh, they had zero babies born or it was super, super low numbers, babies born with Down syndrome because they were, they were really systematically going after those, those children. Yeah, and, and, and it looks... Um, the the word genocide gets thrown out a lot. Oh yeah, that's a legitimate genocide. Yeah, that is right? like that's that's like a repackaging of what Hitler was trying to do. Yep. Right. Hitler's like, I've got the supreme race. If we just eliminate everyone outside that supreme race, this will be the one that's yep. left. And um, it's just being applied to disabilities. Like this is what uh, the ideal is. And if we just kill everyone that doesn't fit that ideal, then we don't have to worry about it yeah, anymore. That's right. that's right. And it's it's particularly uh, targeting those who, uh, with the disabilities. I mean, we've gotten a little bit off of the tweet, mm-hmm. haven't we? But well, um, I mean, they, they, they would consider it an quali- act of love, right? Quality right. of life, right? Yeah. yeah. If we expand out on the tweet, but yeah. Um, yeah so uh, scripture even calls us really to, to take care of those who you know can't take care of themselves, mm-hmm. or, or and uh, to really take care of people like widows or orphans and the and outcast that, of society. Right. Exactly. That they are valuable. And just as much made in the image of God as, as yeah, yeah the rest everyone of us. else. And so, yeah, when when uh, something like this is uh, you know being done, man, uh, I think uh, when it comes to the judgment, to God's judgment and judgment day, um, you know, you're not going to be able to stand there and say, "Well, I just wanted to." I was loving them. I was loving them, yeah. or man, I just uh, it was going to make it life inconvenient for me, or you know, oh, what about their quality of life? Like none of that's going to fly uh, in the least. Well, because that's like you know, was it Genesis seven after the flood where God says like like do not kill each other? Why? Because mankind is made in the image of God. That's what it all goes back to, and and this is a, a Christian argument. Yeah overtly a Christian argument that mankind is different than any other being um, mm-hmm. in the in the world in the universe as aliens start to become a thing <laughs> I guess um, <laughs> that mankind is unique and that they're not expendable that but they're made in the image of God and because they're made in the image of God they have value and they have worth and you do not get the right to, to determine that they no longer have worth right that they no longer have value so you don't get to 
to just kill them. Right. right? Um, now there's a few exceptions in terms of like, like when you get outside of the individual and in the government and justice and stuff like yeah. that. But just in terms of like, just determining the value of someone, everyone's made in the image of God. Yeah. Well, I think there in, in that passage in Genesis, like goes on to say like, uh, you know, if you do, uh, murder someone who's made in God's image, then like the proper response is like we re- we require your your blood. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, it's all right there. Yeah, a justice. Yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, even there, so we've kind of looked at the motive, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's more loving uh, mm-hmm. than adopting a, a child out. Um, but uh, at at the core, it's it's just what you said, right? Yeah. Unborn children are people. They are made in God's image, and part of the reason we know that. Uh, is uh, from the Gospels, even, mm-hmm. where uh, when uh, John the Baptist is still uh, in the womb, right? Mm-hmm. What does he do uh, at the news? Joy. He leaps for joy, yeah. right? Like, you can't tell me that he's not a yeah, and human we don't, being. God, and we don't, even, we don't even need a Bible to like right. say that. Like, uh, how many, any woman that's been pregnant, what's, what happens? The baby kicks and the baby's moving around. Like, like, it's very, like, the people that say it's not a baby, it's like, yeah. Either one, you're just fooling yourself, or one, you you just have never been pregnant or been around anyone that's pregnant. Right. Um, oh yeah, there's tons of scientific reasons. Uh, I was just trying to keep it with. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no. uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, even yeah. if we were to take like a philosophical approach, there's a reason that you may love your cat, like like to the ends of the earth, you love your cat, but never in a million years would someone sacrifice their cat for a person. Right. Well, I guess some people might. <laughs> <laughs> But, Mark, would you sacrifice your cat for uh, a human person if it came to it? Yeah, Maybe, yeah. <laughs> okay, few. I mean, don't. I, I don't think my cat's gonna see this. So <laughs> Probably don't have to not. worry about that as much. Yeah. yeah, and we can love our cats. We can love our dogs. But but any reasonable person would never say my dog is more valuable than a human life. Right. Um, and so it's like, even just philosophically, we can see just inherently, we know human beings have more value and dignity than anything else. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and we don't, we don't judge a person's, um, value, dignity and worth based on what they can produce, um, based on whether or not they're going to live in poverty or wealth, um, based on um, who their parents are, like, like those aren't determining factors on whether or not a person is worthy of life, and and or to even say uh, different skin colors or, or skin different tones skin colors, or whatever. yeah, um, and to say it's an act of love, like like one, you're making a decision for them, mm-hmm. um, and two, like you don't even know, like there's tons of I grew up in what would be considered poverty. And if someone was to say like, "Hey, because you were going to grow up in poverty, we're just going to kill you," but like, no, what, what, no, right? <laughs> what are exactly. you talking about? Exactly. Like, I wouldn't trade my upbringing for anything. Like, right. was that hard at times? Yeah, sure, but like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for death. Right. Like, that's just insane. And and anyways, we we could belabor this and and kind of get into what's the real motive on mm. this. Um. Anyways, but. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, that one was depressing. <laughs> depressing. Very depressing. And sad. Yeah, it was. That one might be the worst doctrine of the month. Or <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, man, we're glad that y'all joined us here today. Mark, we're glad that you joined us as well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always forget to say this, and by this time... 
it's the faithful <laughs> and the few uh, in the video, but the if, true remnant. It's the true remnant of our channel. But if you're still watching and you haven't subscribed and you haven't liked the video, if you haven't commented, go ahead and do those things. That just tells the algorithm that you like this content, that you want to see more of it, and uh, when we post, you'll see it. And so uh, go ahead and, and do that. Uh, let us know your thoughts of anything that we talked about. We love to chat with you in the comments. Um, if you have a bad doctrine of the week that you want us to talk about, let us know. Uh, again, we, we'd love to see it. Um, but until then, you got anything else? No, that's about it. Just let's uh, continue being the, the true church and yep. being the remnant and staying faithful and yep. doing all those things. Pastor Lee should be back in the pulpit uh, next week. And so uh, should get back to uh, a normal kind of setup. But uh, until then, we're glad that y'all joined us. Hope you have a great day.